Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug from London, Ontario, Canada. And welcome to the show. Hope everybody's been fine. Thank you for joining me this morning. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Saturday. This is the 13th of November at 9.05 a.m. In the morning here in Southern Ontario, Canada. Well, first of all, I want to say that, um, you know, I apologize that um, I haven't been out here as much as as I would like to have been. just uh, not myself lately, uh, a little under the weather, but I am fine. I am back and uh, I'm glad to be back and glad uh, you're tuning in to the Truckers podcast. So my last show was October the 31st and I was out here and we were talking about um, homelessness and if any of you had the opportunity to watch that video on YouTube through a blue lens um, I'd like to hear from you I thought it was an important topic when it comes to addiction and the homelessness and if you had a chance to watch that video on YouTube um, yeah, I'd like to hear back from you, comment on it. Now, the other thing, the other social issues, you know, that um, I want to talk about here um, was poverty. Now, poverty, as you know, is like um, living below the living standards. You know, it has been established, established that poverty and homeless are, are uh, strongly correlated. In fact, loss of income acts as a major factor associated with homelessness. Public opinions and government policies regarding the nature and causes of poverty tend to oscillate between two positions. On one hand, poverty is often seen as a shortcoming of individuals who will not, who will not or cannot do what is required to maintain a reasonable life. That could be anything. Could be people living with a mental illness. People living on uh welfare people living on disabilities now poverty is often a moral failing measures to provide extra supports to poor people are believed to encourage a lack of initiative and make the problem worse Well, here in Canada, we're, we're, you know, we can, you could call us a, um, a welfare state. Yes, we have a lot of programs. We have a lot of social programs. People living on welfare. Well, they could just be wanting to do just that. 
maybe they didn't finish high school, disabilities, a mental illness. All people from walks of life, you know, will get benefits probably at some point in time in their lives. But is the government's doing enough to curve this poverty that we have here in Canada? Social programs. The opposing view that poverty arises mainly from systematic inequities is the economy and society and a large in the largely the result of factors lack of work, low wages, or discrimination beyond the control of individuals, it is generally understood these factors impact some populations more than others. Well, low wages, you know, just recently the Ontario government um, decided that January the 1st, that minimum wage is going to go up to $15 an hour. Back when he was elected almost four years ago, Premier Doug Ford here in Ontario, when he took office, he stopped that minimum wage increase. And it's so funny now how he, how he turns around and he does a complete 180. Coming in the springtime, we're having a provincial election. And then he says, oh, we're going to raise the minimum wage of $15 an hour. Then we have special interest groups who, who works on, you know, what is a livable wage. They think here in the city of London, and it goes by region, it goes by cities, but here in the city of London, Ontario, they think that a living wage is sixteen seventy-five an hour. Now that's based on two people working in the household with two children. Thank you for joining me this morning here on the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug. Um, I've been off the air for, oh, I guess a couple a couple of weeks now. You know, last show that I did was October the 31st um, due to things beyond my control. But I'm glad to be back. I'm glad you're joining me here. Um, so this morning, I'm talking about what is poverty. Now, the opposing view is that poverty arises mainly from systematic inequities in the economy and society. It is largely the result of factors of that are lack of work low wages or discrimination beyond the control of the individuals. Now, before you came on the show here, it's talking about basically, you know, low wages right now, you know, the minimum wage here in Ontario, Canada is 1435 an hour. An increase is coming January the 1st to $15 an hour. Now, our premier here in Ontario um, opposed that back when he was elected almost four years ago. He blocked it when he became premier because it was going to go up like like four years ago to $15 an hour for minimum wage. And now he decides, not just long ago, because an election's coming up in the springtime, that he's going to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. He's hypocritical is what he is. First, he doesn't want to do it. And now coming springtime that his job is on the line, whether he's going to get reelected or not as premier of Ontario. To raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And that's right across the board. And that's even servers in restaurants. Because generally their wages are a little bit different because they get the, because they get tips, but no, their their wages are going to be 
$15 an hour right across the board. Now, Canada Without Poverty provides a helpful snapshot on the current state of poverty and homelessness is in, in Canada. One in seven or 4.9 million people in Canada live in poverty. Poverty costs Canada as a whole between 72 billion and 84 billion annually. Low income families are not only more vulnerable to poor health than those earning a living wage. Now, a living wage, See, when they do the living wage, they, they'll do it by region, they'll do it by city. You know, the three most expensive cities here in Canada to live in is Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. Now, they say the living wage in Toronto is about $22.50 an hour. Now, that is based on two people working in the household and two children, so a family of four. Here in in the city of London, where I reside, they think that the minimum or the the um, the living wage is sixteen seventy five an hour. And again, factor in that it's two people in the household working with two children. That does bring you over the poverty line. And the poverty line is probably around eighteen thousand a year. Now, if for some reason someone loses the job, is laid off, or an illness, now you're back down to sixteen seventy-five an hour for a family of four. You have to wait for your employment insurance to come in. You have to wait for your sick benefits to come in because you know even at sixteen seventy-five an hour two people working, you know, you have your rent to pay, you have your, your, your hydro, your water bill to pay, you have groceries to buy, you have clothing to buy. That doesn't mean you actually, you, you, you can put money aside for, for emergencies. You're just getting by. So someone loses a job in that family Now, how are you going to pay your bills until you wait for the other income to come in? And even when employment insurance comes in, it's only 50% or less than what you were earning. And if it was loss of a job and if you're able to get a job right away, fantastic. Now, for those like earning a, a living wage, they also use more healthcare resources because illness can make it harder to get out of poverty. Poverty can lead to sickness because of inadequate housing, poor nutrition, or less access to preventable healthcare. For example, poverty costs uh, British Columbia 1.2 to 3.8 billion a year in health-related costs. Imagine what that costs, you know, when it comes to um, their, their their cost on their addiction. You know, I was reading an article the other day and from, I think it was from the yeah, beginning of August up till the beginning of November, there's something like 1600 people overdosed in Vancouver, BC, this year. wonder how much that's costing them. And when it comes to poverty, it's costing them 1.2 to 3.8 billion a year in health-related costs between 1980 and 2005. Now this is a little bit old, but it's not gonna, you know, it is gonna be some difference, but the average earning among the, the least wealthiest Canadians fell by 20%. Imagine what it is right now. Going, go, you know, we're like, what are we, 21 months into this pandemic? 
and how many people have lost their jobs. You think about the low wage earners, the non-essential businesses that had to close during this pandemic. When you're making minimum wage or the so-called livable wage, what, what they figure is the cost, people are no further ahead. In fact, they're even far farther behind. You know, over the past 25 years, Canada's population has increased by 30%, and yet annual national investment in housing has decreased by 46%. The annual national investment in housing has has decreased by 46%. And that's affordable housing. Government today is talking about um, for the builders and even up to 30% of that building should be affordable, affordable rent, 30%. I mean, how many units can you get in a, a 15 story building? With 30% should be affordable rent. You know, it's funny when, when, you know, the governments talk about this is when things get out of hand and it becomes a crisis on affordability on housing. Even jumping from fourteen thirty-five an hour to fifteen dollars an hour starting January the first, that's the the minimum the employer has to pay. Now and due to the Epidemic of the unaffordable housing in Canada, almost one in every five households experience various housing affordability issues, spending over 50% of their low income on rent. What puts them at risk of homelessness, their one paycheck from being on the street. Now, in Toronto, one study found that there were approximately 5,219 people who were homeless. Roughly half of those experienced homeless were on a wait list for affordable housing during the same period. The wait list for affordable housing, even here in the city of London, where I reside is about six years long, six to seven years long. And also, you know, it's estimated that people experience homelessness with a disability or mental illness represent 45% or more of those experience homelessness. This could be explained by the fact that the people living with disabilities, both mental and physical, are twice likely to live below the poverty line. You don't get very much money as a single individual. You know, people who, you know, your benefits that you get is less than minimum wage.
21% of single mothers in Canada raise their children while living in poverty. Where women who work full-time can earn about 72 cents for every dollar earned by men. And in contrast, 7% of single fathers raise their children in poverty. Women parenting on their own enter shelters at twice the rate of two-parent families. Domestic violence. Have to get away, have to go to a shelter. Due to Canada's history of the the colonization of Indigenous peoples and and their lands, Indigenous peoples are overrepresented amongst those experiencing homelessness in virtually all urban centres in Canada. One in two status of First Nations children lives in poverty. One in five racialized families live in poverty in Canada, as opposed to one in 20 non-racialized families. Where racialized women living in poverty were almost twice as likely to work in manufacturing jobs than, than other women living in poverty. Now, the colonization, you know, with the indigenous people, you know, when they um, had the the schools back in back in you know starting mid eighteen hundreds ran ran until about nineteen ninety five, and these children they were taken from their families and put in residential schools. Now, the mental anguish and everything that goes along with it, suppressing a population of a culture the one and two status first nations children live in poverty one notable factor these statistics show is that poverty occurs on a wide scale across race gender ability and citizenship status it is clear that despite misconceptions of poverty and our homelessness as individual failures, the massive scale of which one in seven Canadians experience financial insecurity signifies that poverty is a structural systematic problem that requires structural and systematic solutions. Here in Canada, we all, we've always had poverty. Where's the government been all these decades addressing poverty? One in five children go hungry. It's unacceptable. One of the richest nations in the world and you look at the United States, you look at you look at Europe. And other wealthy countries around the world, they have poverty. Two factors account for increase in poverty in Canada. The eroding employment opportunities for large segments of the workforce. The declining value and availability of government assistance in times of crisis. People experience poverty are frequently unable to pay for housing, food, childcare, healthcare, and education. 
difficult choices must be made when limited resources cover only some of these necessities and often it is housing which affords a high proportion of income that must be sacrificed and being able to afford the basic necessities despite working full-time at a minimum wage brings forth the concept of, of, of a living wage. Imagine you have to make this decision, pay the rent, put food on the table. Not every place that we rent has your heat and hydro included. Imagine you got to pay to keep the lights on. You have to make a choice between keeping the lights on and putting food on the table. Child poverty is a negative and long-lasting impact on a child's ability to learn, build skills, find employment, and avoid poverty. When the child is not getting the nutrition that the child needs in the morning time, breakfast, we have these things in our schools, the, these breakfast clubs, so a child can have breakfast. I don't know what they're doing in the schools now with this pandemic going on. I don't even even, even if they're even doing that right now. You know, and it is well understood that children who experience poverty and lack of educational opportunities often grow up, become adults who experience poverty and low education levels, a lack of healthy food in a stimulating environment lowers a child's ability to learn for the rest of their lives. A child's experience during the early years of development Prenatal to eight years of age sets a critical foundation for their entire life course. All aspects of early childhood development, including physical, social, emotional, and language cognitive domains. Children know what is going on. They know this because they're living this. They feel this. Their self-esteem. As they say, their physical, social, emotional, and language, con their cognitive domains influence basic learning, school success, economic participation, social and health, the environments where children grow up, live and learn with parents, caregivers, families, and teachers have the most significant impact on their development. Children living in poverty show about 3.5 times the number of, con of, of conduct disorders almost twice the chronic illness and twice the rate of school problems. Hyperactivity and emotional disorders as children who don't experience poverty. And then children that live in poverty often suffer from, from iron deficiencies, which lead to difficulties in cognitive development. They also have such health, social, and cognitive disadvantages compared to other children, they are generally less equipped socially, emotionally, and physically. You know, you, you, you wouldn't think that this is, this, this is going on in this country, here in Canada. 
What's going on in the United States? Europe. To undertake school programs, you know, if, if their disadvantaged positions or different day-to-day experience are not taken into account by school education, they are unable to benefit fully from the school system. Now, you know, when we talk about living wages versus minimum wage, you know, we're all familiar with that concept. Minimum wage is the lowest wage that an employer can pay an employee. So right now, the minimum wage here in Ontario is $14.35 an hour, set to increase January 1st to $15 an hour. The minimum wage is set by the provinces and territories based on economic economic conditions. Cost of living with many other factors. Well, the cost of living, what we're going to see, it's already, we're seeing this. People are already seeing this when they're going grocery shopping. Cost of food is going up. Cost of clothing is going up. See, transportation costs are, are, are going up and it's going to reflect back on the consumers. Fuel is on an increase. Now, Canadians living on minimum wage are struggling to afford the basic necessities of life. Essentially, increased cost of living such as rent, gas prices, utilities, and others have dramatically outpaced increase in wages. And it always has. Things have always been going up, but the minimum wage has always stayed down. A living wage would provide an increase that considers the actual cost of living in a Pacific community. Well, Pacific community. Well, see, let's compare London to Toronto. Now, Toronto is the largest city. Most expensive city, I think, to live in. For a one bedroom apartment, I think it, it ranges anywhere from fifteen to eighteen hundred dollars a month for a one bedroom. Two bedrooms are over two thousand dollars. And depending on where you want to live in the city uh, of Toronto, you know, one bedroom would run eighteen to two thousand. Here in the city of London, a one bedroom apartment is about nine fifty to a thousand dollars. Now, a living wage, you know, with everything that, you know, that's going up, that increased cost of living, such as rent, gas, and price utilities, and other dramatically outpaced increases in the wages, you know, so, they, so here they think that the living wage, now not minimum wage, so don't get confused here. So they think that the living wage with a family of four is sixteen seventy five an hour. That's two people working in the household, making sixteen seventy five an hour. The living wage would provide an income that considers the actual cost of living in a Pacific community. Like I was just saying, that would ensure families could afford the basics such as food, clothing, housing payments, childcare, transportation. Now, um, childcare, well, for, for in October, um, see, Alberta's wage was was increased to fifteen dollars an hour. Ontario has also agreed to raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour. That was back in twenty nineteen, so it was going to go up then. 
So when the Progressive Conservative Party won the provincial election, Doug Ford froze the minimum wage at fourteen twenty-five an hour. Hello, are you there? I must must have missed you. Now, he froze that. So it stayed at at $14 an hour back in 2019. And like I said earlier, he now decides just recently that he's going to increase the minimum wage from $14.35 an hour to $15 an hour starting January the 1st. We have a spring election coming. You put two to two together. The increase for a living wage is not only happening here in Canada, but the United States, the United Kingdom, as well as signaling the international outcry. The demand for a living wage simply highlights the fact that the minimum wage fails to approximate the basic expense of individuals and families, pushing them into a state of poverty and financial insecurity. You know, if you have two people working in the household making $15 an hour, that's $30 an hour coming into the household. That's going to get you your basic things that you need to do. Just pay your rent. Buy your groceries. Buy some clothing. It's not going to get you to retirement. You know, a living wage is calculated based on the family of four with both parents working full-time. 37.5 hours a week does not cover finances needed to owning a home. Saving accounts or, or, or paying off debts. Living wages would also vary from each community at the cost of living in Toronto. They say the cost of living in Toronto the, the, the living wage is eighteen fifty two. Others are saying there should be twenty three dollars an hour living wage. And for instance, with the far more than than uh, further west or southwest Windsor, Ontario, they think that the living wage there is fourteen dollars and fifteen cents an hour. Where, I mean, who sits around and figures this out? Who does this? They actually think that people can can live on this? Just get just to get by with the basics. Now, the living wage is that companies will hire fewer employees as a result of increased labor costs. However, studies show that the businesses usually absorb cost increase related to living wage policies through a combination of price and productivity increases, reduced turnover, and redistribution of staff. Well, if this company is paying more than the company you're working for, well, well, hopefully you can get to this company and make more money. So it does not shrink the workforce in this company. It actually keeps people there working with a living wage. Some worry that a living wage will hurt local businesses. Owners, however, a small business gain, gain the revenue from their community and increase in wages indicates more purchasing power, putting wages earned back into the community. Hey, look, I don't mind, you know, when the minimum wage goes up to $15 an hour in, in January, I mean, I don't mind paying a couple dollars more on your menu. Others argue if the wages go up, 
prices go up. However, there is no correlation between the two. As costs rise all the time without workers receiving a pay increase. The increase in minimum wage to $15 an hour had no impact on the prices of goods and that cost went up by the same amount. The cost of living has gone up regardless if the wages have gone up. You know this, I know this, we see this. Cost of bumping up the wage to $15 or $16 or $17 does not impact the increase. Cost of living has always been on the rise. Wages have always stayed below. A living wage for families experience poverty poses many benefits such as the ability to afford nutrition, food, and adequate housing. More time to spend with one's family. And that's if we have affordable housing, right? We have a lack of affordable housing here across Canada. A lack of affordable housing. And, the, and when it comes to employment, despite the multiple benefits of, of a living wage, especially to those already earning a minimum wage, these benefits would not be accessible to those who face difficulties in gaining employment altogether. And con contrary to the popular belief, many individuals experience homeless are employed. See, they're the ones that you don't see. Yes, when you walk down your streets to your neighborhoods or you know where the homeless people are, you, you see them. You don't see the working homeless. They're staying with family and friends. They're couch surfing. Those that you don't even see. You wouldn't even know that they're homeless because they're in a house that got a roof over their head. In fact, they're destitute. And many individuals experiencing homeless, like I said, are employed. One study found that 25% of 3.5 million Americans experience homelessness have jobs. Vancouver homeless count report that 23% of those experienced homelessness in Vancouver was considered overall employed. And it should be noted individuals experience homelessness often faces barriers to, to attaining and maintaining employment that include no access to a phone or permanent address, a lack of work appropriate or interview appropriate attire, Gaps in employment history, unreliable transportation, inability to afford a vehicle or public transit fares to get to an interview or, or employment. Conflict between hours of work and hours of operation of homeless services, including shelter access and meal programs. Health and mental and or mental health issues can interfere with work and a lack of food, sleep, or rest can make maintaining employment difficult, if not impossible. And that the parents experience homelessness, inaccessibility to childcare is a barrier to employment. Well, if, if you can't afford the, the, the childcare, how are you going to go to work? Single mother.
The study also found that along with overall reluctance to hire individuals who have or experience homelessness stereotypes surrounding homelessness cast considerable doubts on the ability for individuals experience homelessness to obtain or retain employment. Now, are they talking about the ones that are not living on the streets, but they are living with family and other relatives or friends? And it's also important to note that individuals experienced homeless are not the homogeneous group and that those experience homelessness that also face hiring discrimination based on race, citizenship status, disability, sexual orientation, and gender. You wouldn't think that there'd be discrimination like that to get a job. What does it matter about race? What does it matter about citizenship, disabilities, or sexual orientation and gender? So what? Everybody should have an opportunity. They're not going to tell you when it comes to hiring people. I'm going to tell you because of your disability or sexual orientation or your gender that you didn't get the job. They just say, you know, someone was more qualified. You know, what can be done? There's probably there's probably lots of what can be done. The barriers list, listed above clearly shows addressing and preventing homelessness through the for the eradication of poverty cannot be done by isolated interventions. Solutions such as reverting to declining Canada's Canada's society safety net. Implementing a living wage. Like I say, right here in the city of London, they think the living wage is sixteen seventy-five an hour. I totally disagree. It should be at least nineteen to twenty dollars living wage for the city that I reside in. Creating sustainable jobs and providing affordable long-term housing supports are all all necessary to approach homelessness and poverty via a preventative framework. You know, lots of people work in social services. Lots of people work in the government. In order for some of these services to be working, I mean, nonprofit services out there. But that all comes from the government. Then we have our social ministers in government think they have all the answers. Well, if they had all the answers, maybe we wouldn't have this lack of affordable housing. Maybe we wouldn't have this poverty problem. Minimum wage has never increased to the cost of living, ever. And even when, when, they, when they speak of a livable wage is still below the cost of living. What they think a livable wage is. Based on your territory, your city. Now, We, we've, we've asked, you know, we've asked P- 
people in, in, in government say, hey, look, can you live on minimum wage? We're going to give you a minimum wage. You know, this is the city that you live in. And go out there and pay your bills and put food on your table. And you do this for a couple months. And then you come back to me and say, can't do it. And then do it on the living wage that you, that these people think that the living wage can work. You'll just get through the month. There's not going to be anything left over. That's not a living wage. A living wage is that you have something left over at the end of the month. A living wage is it would be living paycheck to paycheck. And that's it. Nothing more. Whether you get paid bi-weekly or whether you get paid every single Friday. You might have enough for a treat to order out a pizza for the family. They think of the, the living wage is that, that that is it. That's all you need. You don't need any more than a living wage. Why do you need more than that? The living wage, well, like I said, you know, here in the city where I reside in, they think that it's sixteen seventy five. Well, you know, I mean, everybody likes working, right? Because it does put money in your pocket. You know, of course, the government, they got to take taxes off your paycheck. I mean, that's how, how you have social services and, and things that you have, right? You had to use your overdraft protection. To, to go buy something else. You know, generally, you know, when it comes to wages, you know, for, for an example, um, I probably off every paycheck, I probably lose about 28% in taxes. that comes off the top, about 28%. That's a lot of taxes. Now, I mean, nobody should have to dip into their overdraft because that doesn't get you any further ahead because when your paycheck goes back into the bank again, that just covers the overdraft or whatever you used to, to, to bring your, your page, your, your bank back up to par, but you're still going to be in overdraft for the next week. And it shouldn't have to be that way. And if you can even get overdraft protection, banks, I mean, they look at over overdraft protection as credit. Oh, no, you got poor credit, but can't give you overdraft protection. You know, if you lose your job, you're, 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 you, you dipped into your overdraft and you lose your job. You get your last paycheck. 
Well, that just brings the balance back up to zero again. But you still got, oh, say $500 in overdraft protection. Until your EI comes in or something comes in or you land another job that very next day. That's a problem. Like I said, the living wage is still below the cost of living. I mean, if you, I mean, you do the math. I mean, you know, you got you got a family of four, really. You know, a family of four, mom and dad. You know. You got sixteen seventy five an hour. Whoops. So you got thirty three fifty an hour coming into the household. I mean that should be a one person income coming into the household, and the other person working maybe making twenty five dollars an hour or whatever the case may be, right? So you got thirty three fifty an hour coming in, right? Times a forty hour work week. That's thirteen forty an hour. That's thirteen hundred and forty a week. I gotta take the taxes off of that. So you're probably looking at. So you end up with a thousand. This is all after taxes. Thousand dollars. So you got four thousand dollars coming in every month, right after tax. That's 48,000 livable income after tax. 48,000 a year after tax. After you pay all your rent, you buy all your food, your clothing for your kids. What about the kids' activities? Is it going to get you a holiday? Now, some employers bank your vacation pay for you. Some don't. It just goes on your paycheck. You know, to take one week off a year to go wherever you want to go, whether you take it off in the wintertime to go to somewhere sunny and warm, or you take it in the summertime just to go to the campsite or your trailer or wherever you're going to go. You know, when they, when they say that, you know, when the wages go up, you know, um, it affects the um, em employers, you know, their overhead and everything else, when in fact that is not the case. And then it puts more money back into the economy because it puts more money into your pocket. Productivity increases. Everybody's happy. You know, the other, uh, I think, it was, well, it was back in October, you know, the Premier of Ontario turns around, you know, it was the minimum wage. So the minimum wage, you know, 14 25 an hour. So people who make, are going to be making minimum wage, he gives them a 10 cent raise to fourteen thirty five an hour. What a slap in the face that is. He was totally against raising the minimum wage back in 2019 to $15 an hour. And now, because an election is coming next spring, the Premier of Ontario says, oh, we're going to put the minimum wage up to $15 an hour. He's a hypocrite. He's nothing but a hypocrite.
trying to save his own job and doing things that he should have been doing that he was totally against and now starting to do them because we have an election coming up next spring. What a crock of shit that is. Politicians make me laugh. They do one thing and then do a 180 just to try to save their own jobs. You know, the, you know, the problem of the wage gap is growing and you're absolutely right. You know, um, whatever, whatever you're going to be buying, like you're saying here, gas, beer, cigarettes, um, other frozen foods, it doesn't matter. You know what? Dairy is going up your, your milk, your cheese, your eggs, you know, everything, everything in your vegetables, everything is going up. You know, but the wages are not. You know, that's, you know, it's ridiculous, you know, that, um, no, I mean, we can't control the prices, right? We, we can't, we can't control what's going on in the markets. You know, here, here in Canada, the, the prime minister of Canada, you know, it imposes a carbon tax on all provinces, which increased, uh, you know, our, our, our gas fivefold, maybe even tenfold. You know, it's costing me probably an extra $15 a week in gas right now. Doesn't sound like a lot of money though, $15 a week. That's $60 more a month. Yeah, that cuts into the bottom line. Never mind going to the grocery store. And you see and you and you see the increase. You know. It is so. It is so important that you know the governments, you know, um, get with the sign of times. Now, yeah, if if, if the employer is going to pay you more money, that's a good thing. I mean, wouldn't you, if you're an employer, would you not want to have a group of happy employees? Or would you rather have a group of employees coming in, struggling every single day, miserable every single day, because they're just scraping by. And they got to come in there Monday to Friday and put up the orders or do what they got to do. And at the end of the day, they feel they haven't accomplished a damn thing. Or would you rather have your employees come in there singing, I ho, I ho, off the work we go and really happy about it because now at the end of the month, they have leftover money in the bank. Don't think of it as free money because you're making a more wage. Maybe it's enough money that you can start putting away for a retirement. Even two people working in the household of family of four at sixteen seventy-five an hour is not going to allow you to have two to three thousand dollars a month to put away every month for retirement. As soon as you're done college or university or whatever you're going to be doing in your life, if you can start saving money at the age of 25, 
for the next 30 years, you got to be making more than what they think what a living wage is. But we'll leave it at this, ladies and gentlemen. So, kind of, you know, kind of puts things in, maybe hopefully puts things into perspective when it comes to poverty. You know, Canada, you know, we're one of the richest countries in the world. United States and others. And that we need to address the poverty and why it's happening. Because it's not going away anytime soon. And it's going to repeat itself. All the time. Generation from generation. Thank you for taking the time out this Saturday morning here on the Truckers Podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you on my show and I will be back out here tomorrow morning to talk about social issues. Thank you and take care. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Be safe.